Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Play by Players. We are joined today by one of the great young goalkeepers in the United States. He's played over 100 professional games in the MLS, the USL, and he's represented the U.S. men's national team. Uh, he was the 2020 Revs Player of the Year, which is voted for not only by the fans, but the more important one by his teammates as well. Uh, he's uh, currently on the team of the week after his performance this past weekend in which he led his team to a win. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Matt Turner. Thanks for having me on, Bob. It's 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 really nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you look like you're living the dream. You got your Nantucket shirt on. You are the man from Nantucket. Um, you know, tell me, yeah. tell me what's going on up in in the Northeast. Yeah, you know, um, it's finally getting real hot out here. I actually live in South Boston, and I live real close to the beach there. It's nice to look at from afar, but you know how it is in the summer after the training and on a hot day. The last thing you want to do is be outside. So. Uh, this is, I've actually never even been to Nantucket, so I'm kind of a poser. Uh, this was a gift from my parents who lived it up out there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I appreciate, you know, I've, I, I've noticed, uh, in getting ready for this, you are, uh, you are as transparent as they come and you're an honest guy. Um, you know, I told you before the podcast started that our stories, uh, we have a lot of similarities in my path coming up, uh, you know, into the sport. And, uh, I, I intend to kind of harp on that throughout, but, Let's, uh, you know, you, you talk about never having been to Nantucket. Why don't we tell everyone where you're from? You're a, a New Jersey guy. Uh, talk a little bit about growing up in New Jersey. I think Park Ridge, um, you come from a family, uh, a, a big family. It seems like I saw some videos on your social media stuff of you throwing temper tantrums at a very young age. It seems like <laughs> yeah. you had a competitive edge uh, from the get-go. Tell me what it was like growing up in, in New Jersey. Yeah, um, New Jersey, like, I, I love New Jersey and uh, especially where I grew up in Bergen County. Um, I had, I was like the youngest of a generation of cousins that all played sports, all different kinds of athletes. Um, but in New Jersey, you know, football, basketball, baseball, those are the big, the big three. Those are the ones that they're known for at the high school level, or at least I thought that until I started opening my eyes as I got older to all the great soccer that's being played in New Jersey. Um, so, you know, I got the whole foot fairy treatment from all my older cousins, all that when I decided I wanted to play soccer. Um, but yeah, growing up in New Jersey was great. Uh, a lot of cultural diversity, um, not necessarily in my hometown, but, you know, I was lucky enough to play sports, baseball, soccer, where I was able to break down those barriers and really get into the Newarks and the Jersey cities and the Union cities and get to really immerse myself in the culture of, of New Jersey. And that's why I love that place so much. So it was, it was great growing up in Jersey um, and uh, definitely helped me to be well-rounded as a, as a person and an athlete. Well, and you talked a little bit about your cousins. Uh, I noticed you didn't give your sisters any love. I know, um, I know your, your one sister was a nurse or is a nurse. And last year yeah. um, she got plenty of airtime and uh, you know, we, we're, that is not a slight at her. We're so grateful for our, uh, first responders and our nurses during the the pandemic, but uh, they were both they were both probably bigger into soccer than you were as a as a kid, right? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yes. And thanks for saying that, you know, uh, my sister, Michelle, she's living in New York. She's a rock star and she, she's been getting uh, like all that really great treatment and extra, you know, extra recognition, her and her whole unit, which is, which is really, really nice. So I appreciate you saying that, but, but yeah, uh, I was the youngest, you know, youngest growing up with two older sisters. And, and uh, so because of that, I just got dragged around to a bunch of different practices. You know, I was that, that kid that couldn't stay still on the sidelines. So in order to keep me busy and keep their eye on me, my dad would just be like, you know what? He was coaching them. Why don't you just go in the goal? And I would just stand in goal and all these girls would be shooting balls at me. And I would just, I would try my hardest, you know, because I wanted to be like, impress the girls. And uh, I would start making saves and I felt like the man, you know, I was not the man. I was like (laughs) 10 years old, but uh, that was like my first like introduction into goalkeeping, you know, and, and uh, having my older sisters there. uh, They, I also didn't grow until I was like 17. So they could beat me up until I was like 15, you know? So they, they really, they really took on that older sister and older brother sort of role that, uh, you know, that I needed to keep myself humble. Okay. Well, we're, we're both the youngest of a big family. So that was one you already talked about not getting bigger. We're going to get to that later, but I was very small till my sophomore year of, uh, of high school. But, um, you know, you hinted at baseball and football and basketball. Um, I too was called a, a lawn fairy and different things, uh, growing up in Florida, um, you know, with family from Mississippi. So you can imagine how, right, how right. proud of soccer players they were um but you know talk to me a little bit about how you became a well you know goalies are uh I always say they're pretty well-rounded because they did play other sports we've had um a couple other goalies on this podcast and some of them looked at playing uh football in college instead of soccer and um you know I think you were a pretty good baseball player if I'm not mistaken and you know what what did that do for you as as an athlete growing up yeah I think first of all I would, like you said earlier, like I, I just developed that competitive edge and, um, I, I was really into baseball. I loved it. I was a huge, I, I still am a huge Yankees fan. And, uh, I, I watched it every night and I just, it, it just sports is what got me up in the morning. You know, I woke up and watched sports center. I, and, and just competing and all that. I was like the kid that was crying in gym class, you know, because things weren't going my way or something like that. And as bad as that sounds now, or, or bad as it was back then, you know, it actually helped me to control my competitiveness in the future, you know, and I, I'd say that playing all those sports definitely helped well around me just as an athlete, you know, the way I move around the goal, I don't always see other people that, that can move sort of the same way, you know, I think there's very few and I'm not saying it's necessarily right or wrong. It's just what works for me, you know, and um, I think just in baseball, especially like Every time a pitcher goes to throw uh, to make his pitch and you're playing in the infield, which I was a middle infielder, you sort of have to position yourself and adjust to based on what kind of pitch is being thrown and the body shape of the, the hitter and his tendencies and the timing and all of that. And I think that that sort of helped me to become a, a good, like good in terms of timing as a goalkeeper. And, and I think, that those things plus hand-eye coordination, all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I am a huge advocate, like in general, not just for goalkeepers, but for all all athletes. Play as many sports as you can or as many as you enjoy because I think it'll help you move better. It'll help you see things differently. 
Okay. Well, the, I'm going to take a couple points out of that. Yeah. The first one being, um, you know, the New York Yankees. I know you've got a picture with Derek Jeter. That makes sense. What yeah. doesn't make sense is the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Huge Titans guy. I don't know. <laughs> Where'd that come yeah. from? That's it's so random, but I, I just like, I loved Steve McNair and Eddie George as I was growing up. Okay. And, uh, I, I was, uh, I was actually in school. My mom got me an Eddie George Jersey and I was wearing it to school. And one of the a kid who was, I was in third grade and a fifth grader like came up to me and I was in front of all my friends wearing this Eddie George Jersey. And he said to me, are you a Titans fan? And I just like, sort of like little Matt was like, uh, yeah. And he's like, cool, me too. And he like gave me a fist bump. And, uh, and then I just stuck with it from there, <laughs> from there. I thought I was so cool. I just stuck with it, you know, because all my friends were there, you know, so I had to double down. They're like, Oh, you like the Titans? And I'm like, yeah, of course I like the Titans, you know, blah, 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 whatever. So it started with a love for Eddie George and Steve McNair. And then because I was validated by somebody older than me, I was like, I just stuck with it. And then I just stuck with it for years. And I was a huge, I loved Marcus Mariota when he came out of college, but you know, the Titans are doing a lot better without him. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. You know, I, Hey, listen, yeah. I respect, I like, if you told me Yankees and then like the Cowboys and man United, like I would, yeah. I, would I would bust your chops, but you know, like <laughs> the Titans, like they're kind of like, where Tampa was before Brady came down, like you're not even good enough to really have enemies. So it's just they're like, right. oh, they're like you like the Titans, like good for you, man. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. All right, yeah, well, and and plus, plus on top of that, you know, I'm I'm literally Yankees, Nets, Devils, and then you just you you just turn over to the Titans. So no one really, you know, no one really says anything. Plus, while yes. I was growing up the Giants won two Super Bowls and it wasn't like I was like, Oh yeah, go Giants. Like during that run, you know, I was like still just, you know, sticking with my Titans. There you go. I respect it'll the pay off. Of it. It'll pay off. I respect. Yeah. They're, they, 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 they're making moves. They're making moves. That's right. Well, um, you know, thanks for walking us through that. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, your, you know, I, I kind of wanted to wait till later to talk about this, but it's, it's perfect for you. And especially, um, you know, some of the highlight reels, the saves that you have being, you know, you said you're, you're built a little different. Um, I know on the Cooligans podcast, you talked about those flippers that you call feet. Um, you know, you, you are, uh, I always say Nick Romano never saw a shot. He didn't want to dive for. I feel like your highlight reel is just like a, you're like a twice of Nick, you know, but pulling balls out of the corner. Um, you know, or, or, you know, do you, do you love shooting drills in practice? I mean, is that like your passion? You talked about saving stuff for your, with your own, some really impressive things where you're pulling balls that shouldn't be, uh, right. shouldn't be pulled out of the corner. Yeah, I definitely, definitely when I, you know, first got to new England and I was on trial, um, I definitely felt like that was, those were my opportunities to showcase myself, um, small sided games, uh, shooting drills, staying late with Charlie Davies after practice when he wanted to do extra finishing, like those kind of things. Um, but I will say like now I'm more of a, let me get my reps within the game scenarios rather than just like a straight up shooting drill. But yeah, I definitely like, I used to love watching uh, Nick Romano. I was very into MLS when I got into high school and uh, watching Nick Romano was always so fun for me because He's also just like no one else looked like him. You know what I'm saying? In yeah. in his his approach, in the way he dives, in just his body type and size, like 
it was so fun to watch him to watch him play. And I was always a huge fan and really appreciated that he sort of carved out this path for somebody unique. Like he's, he's a unique guy. And I knew that I always knew that if I was going to make it, that my path would sort of not never before been seen, but be very, very unique compared to a lot of other people. Yeah. And and your path is unique because, you know, you, you had some exposure to soccer at a young age, but you didn't really play it like a lot of, uh, a lot of professionals did um, at least not as much growing up. And my favorite story that uh, is involved with you is, is, that you went to play and they didn't let you play goalie. So you quit. Is that, is that? Accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I, joined, I ended up like after being exposed to soccer with my sisters and saying, you know what, I actually kind of like this sport. Um, I joined, I tried out for a team. I tried out in the field and I made it. And after all these practices, all this running around, all I wanted to do for some reason, it was like inside me. I'm just like, all I want to do is like save the ball. I want to go and goal, save the ball. I'm not afraid to throw my body around, dive. Like I was the guy that was always the dirtiest jersey in baseball, cuts and bruises in basketball. You know, I wasn't afraid to put my body on the line. And then my coach was just like, you know what? No, like you can't be the goalie, you know? So at my, my rule, the rule I had with my parents was if you ever join a team, you have to finish that season. No matter how miserable a time you're having, uh, no matter how great of a time, like you finish that season and then we can rediscuss. So as soon as I finished that season, I was out. I stopped playing. I joined football again. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you kind of talked about uh, Bergen. Um, you know, I I played with Aleko Eskandarian. So nice. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've heard more stories about Bergen Catholic than uh, any any sane human should which happens to be, I guess, your rival at St. You went to St. Joseph's, uh, the green, yeah. or the green Knights. the green right? Knights. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I look, I always check guys. I want to see if guys are on the famous alumni list. Uh, you, you are, you are. Congrats. Oh, they put me on there. So you, you get back into, you get back into, uh, soccer in high school. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about the decision. Like, were you going to go to co uh, college to play soccer or did you just say, you know, let's see, you know, how did you end up going to, to college at Fairfield? Yeah. So um, I decided that I wasn't going to play baseball because I didn't, I had a pretty good high school experience, but uh, in terms of baseball, but I didn't love my coach and I kind of fell out of, out of love with the game a little bit. Plus I was starting to really enjoy myself on the soccer field. Not only, um, not only playing every day, but the people I was playing with. And I think that was like the most important for, thing for me was that I always, even to this day, like the guys that were at my game this past weekend are all like my high school soccer teammates, you know? And, uh, so that, that was always, I just wanted to have fun because I played baseball at such a high level. Like, I know that sounds a little, that's not really like me to say I played at such a high level, but for a 12 or for a 10 to 12 year old to play the tournaments and the hitting lessons and the, you name it, I was doing it. I was sponsored by, our team was sponsored by academia. I got all this free baseball gear growing up. I don't even know if that's legal anymore, you know? Like we were a good team and we played good baseball. And uh, I think I was just like burnt out a little bit. You know, I was ready for something a little bit different. Um, but when I was deciding to go to college, I I'd never been, no one ever told me that I was like good enough in soccer. 
my high school team was terrible. Speaking of Bergen Catholic, I, uh, we played Bergen Catholic. They had a bunch of academy guys on their team. My team was just a bunch of ragtag dudes that's, that still played soccer, you know? And we lost three to one and I made 30 saves in a game, 30, like actual saves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it was just ridiculous. My team was so bad, but I think that that helped me long-term. You know, I was seeing a lot of shots. I was seeing the game in realistic scenarios where a lot of people wouldn't have that level of exposure. You think of all the guys that come out of the top colleges all with all these clean sheets and all these goals against averages that are amazing. And it's like, your team was just dominated everybody, you know, like you didn't, you were never really tested. So I think that that's always an interesting point when evaluating goalkeepers as they're coming out of, out of college. But that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother side to this, this story. Anyways, I, no one ever told me I was good enough. So I didn't know if I was, I had a couple D3, D2 colleges come look at me play. Nobody offered me anything. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to apply to schools that I like that I can get into and, uh, and then we'll see from there. So I got into Fairfield. I loved it. Um, it's a beautiful school. It's right on, right on the beach in Fairfield, Connecticut, like great, uh, academic program, just so picturesque. And, um, from there I got, I got in and then I contacted the coaches. I was like, Hey, like I'm already accepted to Fairfield or emailed and, and like, I'm playing this tournament in Massapequa, Long Island, like come like if you're there, why don't you come watch one of my games? And they credit to them. They actually came and watched one of my games and they were like, wow, we see some potential in you. So then fast forward. So that was in November. They're like, we're having one of the one day ID clinics. You got to pay 200 bucks, whatever. I was like, you know what? This is like, I want to go to Fairfield anyway. So I'm just going to do it and see if I can make the team. So I, uh, I paid the 200 bucks and I, uh, it was on a Saturday all day. I played amazingly. And, uh, on the Monday, I, I, on the Monday, I got a, I got a call from the coach and he was like, yeah, we're going to offer you a spot on the team. Well, Hey, that's, uh, you know, credit to you for, I think, I think, uh, you know, it seems like some of the other stories I've heard, a lot of people are always making you pay to try out, you know, it seems like a, a reoccurring theme with you. Yeah, I don't know if I've made enough money yet in my career to pay my dad back, but <laughs> he was really well, a trooper helping me out in that stuff. Well, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist on some level. Uh, I don't like bringing up negative things, but talk to me about your, your freshman year. Uh, I think it was your freshman year. You were kind of in the spotlight uh, for, for the wrong reason. Yeah, that, that was actually sophomore year, but yeah, okay. fresh, fresh. Well, so freshman year. I, I basically, I feel like I made a mature decision at a young age to go to Fairfield because I was able to play for, be on the team for a year without the responsibility of actually playing um, and learning from a, a goalkeeper who was a senior. He was like the Mac defensive player of the year, goalkeeper of the year, playing for the New Zealand national team in the Olympics in London, 2012. So I got to just like, meet this guy and learn from him for a year and that was like one of the big reasons that I think I when I got offered a spot on the team it felt right so I didn't go in with any ego or expectation I went in thinking okay I need to I'm like here to learn and I don't think a lot of young guys always do that you know especially when you think you're hot stuff coming into a new a new university new college new situation so I just was patient but at the end of that year 
I thought I had a good enough year where they would sort of give me the reins and they ended up bringing in another goalkeeper on a full scholarship. Some kid from, from uh, England who had a pretty for 18, 19 year old had a pretty great playing resume, but it just wasn't quite working out for him. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to go to uni. He's still like, he's actually one of my best friends to this day. So we, we no hard okay. feelings had been boiled over, but um, that's cool. He came, yeah, he came in and he was the starter. Um, but I was working really, really hard and training well every single day and doing the extra things, working hard in the weight room. And eventually we were playing like our biggest rivals and he was having a really tough, he had been having a tough time over the past few games. But then in the first half of this game, he was playing terribly. So my my coach was like, you know what, Matt, you're going in at halftime. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, OK, here we go. Like, now's the chance, you know. And and uh, so I have 15 minutes to warm up. I'm playing really I'm playing well, coming out for crosses, made a couple saves. And then finally, you know, somebody just rings the crossbar from about 40 yards out. And I turn and look up and the ball's gone, you know, straight in the air. And I try, I'm feeling good, you know, confident. Oh yeah, I'm catching everything. So I jump up instead of like trying to tip the ball over. I, uh, I try to catch it and, uh, just hits off my schnoz and down my chest and rolls into the goal. You know, I'm just like laying there and they, they, they play, they, when they score at Iona college, they play this like blaring, like horn. And it's just like, I'm just laying there like, Oh my God, like that did not just happen, you know? And it ends up being, you know, one of the, uh, it ends up being the number one play on the not top 10 on that Friday. <laughs> well, Hey man, you say, you said, I'm going to make it on TV and you did it, you know? That's right. And you know, that, that I feel like over those two years or year and a half, I learned a lot, you know, what it was like to have to go in and, and not be the guy and learn and be patient what it's like to feel like you can actually contribute to the team and work hard and earn your opportunity and what it's like to fail when you have your opportunity. And I struggled for a while after that. I really, I didn't, the coach didn't play me for the rest of the year. You know, that was the only 45 minutes I played as a sophomore. And so I thought to myself, you know what, like, I think I'm good enough to play. I just think I might need a change of scenery. I really, I, I got the papers to transfer. Like I got cleared for transfer. And then like after a long conversation with my parents, you know, I decided that I was having fun. You know, I loved the people I was around. I was doing well in school. Like a lot of that, that much change might not necessarily be a good thing. It might not even be worth it, you know? And uh, so I stayed, I decided, I decided I would stay and I got cut from like every summer team that I tried out for. Finally, after like three paywall tryouts, I made the Jersey Express. <laughs> Yeah, hold on. And, you're, getting uh, ahead. you're getting you're getting ahead oh, of it. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. No, no, I went too that's far. fine. No, I, 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 uh, I too looked to transfer my after my sophomore year. Really? Um, but my coach didn't let me. He would. I would have <laughs> had to waste waste a year. But I, I get, I get where you're coming from, man. I, I, I know yeah. the the pain. So you were about to talk about PDL. Did you go to Brazil after PDL or before PDL? Yeah. So I went to Brazil after my freshman year. This is before I found out that uh, they were bringing in somebody else. I actually found out while I was in Brazil that they signed another goalkeeper uh, on a full scholarship. Okay. But yeah, that, that experience was something else. Sometimes I forget to even talk about that because I don't know why, but it was, it was so eye-opening for me 
because I hadn't really been exposed to the professional life. And so I went to this academy where you get gear for the, like for training, and then you got to turn in your gear after training. Like I'd never had that before, really like at college ish, you know? Um, but like the meals in the morning, the, the, you go and you train and then the meal after training and then the lift in the afternoon. And I just had never really been like at Fairfield. It's a great school. It's division one. Yeah. But some, um, you know, not everybody's ideals align, right? Some guys are there for a good time. Some guys are there for academics. Some guys want to actually make it, you know, and I didn't know what I wanted, but being in that environment, it made me know what I wanted. And they sort of gave me this, um, I was playing at like a high level, like against Cruz Azul's U23s, Club Tijuana's U23s, like in friendly games every weekend for five weeks. And I wasn't out of place, you know, I was playing well. And at the end of the whole thing, like they gave me this like Portuguese evaluation and like then the Google translation. And uh, basically it was like, we think that this player can play professionally in his home country. So that was like the evaluation. And that's the first time somebody ever told me that, uh, that, and I was about to turn 19. This is the first time somebody's like, yeah, you're like you're good enough. Like that you can maybe make it, you know? Well, I, uh, when I was a little younger than you at that time, I went to Brazil, but my experience was a lot what? worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we went and, um, we only won one game and it was against the women's futsal national team. Um, and the, we played like a fourth and third division team and they had rules where like, if they missed the, if they missed the shot on target, they took a player off the field. Like, so at like one point we were playing like seven, seven V 11 and like, we couldn't even cross half field. Like they were so much, they were so much better than us. Honestly. So, yeah. So, like it didn't build my confidence at all. If anything, I was like, wow, the Brazilians are the best in the world. Like, yeah, and we're not. Honestly, it's so insane because like I swore that the 12 year olds on that team could play, could walk onto my uh, college team and be a starter. The amount of talent that's in Brazil is absurd. <laughs> Every single, and all these kids, they're like, 10 this academy was ages like 10 to 23 and every single player i was like blown away by it was like these these every even the little kids i would literally just go watch these little kids train and i was like this is the bet like when i was 10 i could never dream of that couldn't even <laughs> no, dream of it it's yeah it's it's eye-opening for people that have seen it versus um you know what you see here it's just not even you can't even it's it's not even apples to it's not even a fruit comparison. It's, it's a whole yeah, other, no. there's no good analogy. So you come back, fact. you come back. Um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on Fairfield, but you know, the important things there, you, you know, you had, uh, some great, great two seasons, I guess you led the nation and save percentage. Uh, you know, the real interesting fun soccer stat is led the nation and shutouts or slash zero, yeah. zero games. Um, soccer. So exciting yeah. at Fairfield. Um, uh, uh, but, but if, if you're a goalie, right, and I'm a defender, if you're a goalie or a defender, like, those stats are th – those are awesome. Like, you could care less. Um, you know, obviously, you want the game to be exciting, but if you're doing your job, you're doing your job. For, for sure. And I think, like, that's something that we ended up – it sort of was our, our identity. It was like we're not going to 
like we we it happened in the first game of the season we played army and that was my first ever like division one start and we got battered but we won one zero and like i think i had eight saves you know what i'm saying like and that just sort of became our identity then we tied zero zero then we like it was just it was just like okay no matter what if we score one goal we're gonna win we we were eight three maybe and six i want to say like we lost three games tied six all six were zero zero draws and seven of our eight wins were one zero <laughs> so we had thir- 13 out of 18 games or whatever the numbers were uh were were shutouts so like and i'm not a, i'm not a big person on like oh yeah shutouts is a determining factor of whether or not a goalkeeper is necessarily amazing, but it's definitely a teller if you're defensively sound. Yeah, no, it's listen, take credit. Sure. I'm giving you credit. I'm giving you credit. I appreciate I'm, that. Cause I'm about to take it away uh, with this next comment. Um, you get, you know, we talk a little bit about PDL, you go to the Jersey express, or I guess they're called Ironbound express. I, yeah. you know, there's always rich history and especially like, I feel like New Jersey and New York PDL, it's like just there's just like Wikipedia pages for that lead to Wikipedia pages that lead to Wikipedia pages about uh, the teams up there. But yeah. uh, you are a glaring omission with some of the some of the names on the uh, on that list, meaning really? you're not named on the uh, the iron. Yeah, it, you got Ryan Mira on there, Dilly Duca. Uh, you know, there's some guys on there that yeah. that were successful, but not as successful as you've been. And your name's not on there yet. I, I don't know what we have to do, but hopefully uh, someone will add it after they listen to this podcast. I'm going to have to start writing some letters that that's. You know, that's that's ridiculous. But that's just the story of my life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, speaking, of, I mean, the, the pro, important thing about your time there was uh, one, you got to work with with Bill. Um, yeah. But, but the other thing is you had some success. You all went to the semifinals of the PDL uh, championship. So I think at this point, we're starting to see a theme with you um, and the teams that you're on. But tell me what it was like working with uh, with Bill. Yeah, that, that was great for me. And and not only Bill, but also Jeff Mateo. Um, just like it wasn't it wasn't just that. It was the the culture that Jeff and Bill created around Jersey Express soccer. It was like Jeff brought all his buddies that ever that he ever played MLS with or ever played in MLS and were working jo- corporate jobs now in New York City. And he was like, come come play for this team. You know, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. And that's why PDL is so nuanced in that area because there's so many teams, there's so many players. And there's also like, there's not just PDL, there's the Cosmopolitan League where like you got the Greeks, you got the the Lansdowne Irish guys and you got the Yonkers Irish guys. Like they're just all different teams that will pay guys to actually play like a couple hundred bucks. A couple of my buddies still play, you know, they get, he, he gets like 200 bucks if he scores and they win, you know, like, <laughs> So it's like he's like he's a it's a pub team, but it's like the level's decent, you know. So Jeff used to bring down all these guys and former pros, and that was like now I'm starting to see because at Fairfield you're not exposed to it, but now I'm starting to talk to guys that have played in MLS and have played maybe a bit overseas and um, make some connections and have some fun training and play at a higher level. 
And, and then just more specifically with Bill, just for him to offer certain pieces of advice and then tell me that he thought that I was good enough, you know, to, to make it was huge for me. And I don't even know if he even, I, <laughs> like, I don't know how well, you know, Bill Gaudet, but he might not even know that I freaking playing, you know what I mean? <laughs> that guy was always, that guy was always in his own world. Um, and he would show up in his freaking scrubs selling medical devices. He's like, Hey, I just got off of work. But I think he would come just to like, just to work with me. Cause maybe he saw something in me. I don't know. But, uh, he was the first, he was like the first person in America then to be like, dude, like you got, you got something like work on this, this, and this, and you can, you can get there, you know, to give me concrete feedback and tell me what I need to work on to where I can go that was huge, huge for me. All right. Well, let's, let's fast forward to, to this right here. Talk to me a little bit about Jay heaps and uh, you know, you once again, you're going to have to uh, like me, not drafted, not included yeah. in any of that. Uh, you got to go in on trial. Like I did uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's your mindset and, you know, is this, is this, I, I just went in thinking I'm going to have some fun. I'll be gone for a little while. I'll go back to Miami, drink beers and, do what mm-hmm. normal people do, but, uh, what was your, what was your mindset going in and, and your expectations coming out? So my mindset going in, I, I was in a weird place because I was very, very disappointed that I didn't go to the combine. I didn't get invited to the combine. Now I had had one team offer me like, Hey, like, why don't you come to our, like one day, you know, whatever you call it, 500 bucks, <laughs> 500 bucks. And it was the union. I was like, you know what? Yeah, like I'm going to go. This is the only team that's expressed any sort of interest. And I never forget. I was every single game I played. I played four games. Every single game was on the outside field. You know, the field that was in like where their training ground is not. I didn't get to play in the stadium at all. (laughs) So that was like. And then I didn't get drafted or then I didn't get invited to the combine. Then I didn't get drafted. And I just knew that if I had gone to the combine, I've always been the type of person that you got to sort of see it to believe it. Uh, like you can talk about the stats and talk about that, the, all this stuff, but until a coach has seen me play, they always had like, think, Oh, he doesn't have enough experience. Oh, like, I don't know, like this guy's played more games, whatever. But uh, so I just thought that if I'd gotten into the combine, I would have been able to play well, rise to the occasion. Then I would you know, help my draft stock. But it ended up working out perfectly for me. Obviously, um, I go to New England. Um, I was actually drinking beers the night before I got the call that I was going to New England. You know, I was it was my second semester of senior year at Fairfield. I'm living on the beach. You know, what do you expect on a Saturday night? You call me on a Sunday morning? Arsenal was playing Chelsea. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch and my random number pops up on my phone. I'm like, hello. He's like, Oh, hi, this is Remy Roy from the new England revolution. I'm like, shit. You know, I got, sorry for cursing, but I had to go, I had to go, you know, into the other room. All my boys were like, what the heck is wrong with this guy right now? Like, like literally it could have been anything. And uh, like, guys, like I'm going to preseason with the new England revolution. And I'm like, so hung around. I, I got to go work out right now. <laughs> like, like, I got to go work out. You know, I'm panicking, call my parents, you know. And then two days later, I was in uh, beautiful Casa Grande. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, tell me, I mean, you've, you, uh, you know, I consider you young, um, you know, maybe you don't after being in the league for, for five years, but um, you know, you've already played for a handful of coaches. Talk, talk to me a little bit about what you liked about Jay. Yeah. So my know, time with Jay, I know, I know you got sent down to Richmond, which we can talk about that. I just wasn't yeah. sure how much exposure you had to him. Yeah, no. And that's, that's my po- point of what I'm going to say. Like, I think Jay was at a weird point in his like time in New England because the results weren't really going our way. We had just like in 2015, the season ended with that giant explosion with Jermaine in DC. And uh, so it was like a weird time to sort of come in and you had like two goalkeepers really like pushing each other for the number one spot with Bobby and Brad. And, uh, and then you just had me, you know, little old me, but Jay Jay and I's relationship was very just nice, you know, face to face, but I don't think he ever really considered me to like, in terms of helping the team, like I was always a longer term project. So I dealt more directly with Remy Roy, who's now a scout for the Revs, but he was my goalkeeper coach at the time. And uh, yeah, I played seven games that year. You know, he, he would send me down randomly whenever uh, DC couldn't send a loanee down to Richmond, he would send uh, Remy would send me down. And uh, I played really well. I played really well while I was down there enough to, you know, get them to pick up my option for year two. And then they sent me down there a little more longer term because Richmond wanted me. Um, but yeah, down the stretch, I really wish I, I would train with New England during the week. And I felt like I was training really well, but I think it would have been such a, a tough, it's a tough move for a coach to want to shake things up that that drastically obviously he sees it day in day out but from the outside you're like holy who who the heck is this guy you know so I understood that even though maybe I was training and I was good enough or pushing to be the number one I understood that it probably would it was not an aesthetically pleasing move from the outside and your job was on the line you know yeah so I just took my time in Richmond as um you know it's the time where you can make your career like you're not going to make your career there, but you can lose your career there, yeah. you know? So you can, you can go down to USL and if you don't take it seriously and you don't perform, you know, it's going to hurt your, you're, you're, you're not going to make it in MLS either. You know, you got to go down there. You got to, you got to perform to, to keep yourself afloat, to give yourself a fighting chance to, to make it in MLS. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know a lot of those guys that were down there, your teammates, uh, cause I was in DC for that Jermaine meltdown yeah. and, and um, yeah. you know, you, you played 27 games for them and you were kind of a local legend. Um, you know, I know that the fans really liked having you down there and, um, you know, that's kind of the fun thing about, uh, USL is that one, it gives you games and reps and opportunity, but now those fans, um, you know, they're, they're potentially, you know, telling everybody this is our national team goalie. That was, he was here. And, and yeah. it's really, it's really cool for, for them and the kids that went to those games to have that experience. So, you know, you, you I, I say like Steve Birnbaum, right. Great soccer player could care less about like what was going on in the world of soccer when he was in college. Right. He's focused on being, you know, an education. And it sounds like you kind of, uh, you, you came to soccer late, but you were like, you just wanted to play. You didn't necessarily know your history. And I love the fact that you're a goalie and your new head coach is like the most 
most decorated goalie of all time in America. And you're kind of like, oh, what? what's his name? Maybe, <laughs> I'm, pretty... maybe I'm overselling that. Yeah, I, I knew who he was, but I, I definitely didn't like – I didn't know the magnitude of what he had accomplished. You know, by then I was into the Premier League. I had like seen – seen him play at Tottenham and I was like, Oh, that's cool. American at Tottenham, you know, whatever. And I uh, didn't even know that like, Oh, like all the Americans that had played at Fulham, like I knew Clint Dempsey was there, but I didn't know like the history before that, like all that stuff, you know, like that I'm learning now and, and understanding the history more and more, but yeah. How insane is that? I just was like, yeah, you know, yeah, he was a goalkeeper. Like, that's cool. You know, maybe he'll, see that I'm pretty good you know that I think you know at least I'm pretty good you know and and he came in you know with with no e- with no ego no agenda and he's just like every spot is up for grabs and that was just music to my ears because I just knew I all I had to do was was work hard and and show what I could do and and I felt like I had a good preseason but Friedel was one for the uh one for the mind game so it wasn't until like a few hours before kickoff in our game at Philly that year and the season opener where he was like, Hey, like, just, just so you know, like you're going to start tonight. And then I'm like, Oh, I got to call my parents. You know, luckily it was in Philly, you know, yeah, yeah, like this is close enough to Jersey where I could call my parents and they were able to make it down to the game. So, uh, so yeah, um, it was great, you know, to learn from him, to pick his brain on it. And he taught me some, like all a few awesome things that, no one else has ever, you know, said, even said, you know, and stuff about failure and dealing with failure and being a goalkeeper and that responsibility. But that's not even the best thing he did for me. The, the start, the advice was great. But right before, you know, the era came to an end, he hired a goalkeeper coach because our current like, the goalkeeper coach he had originally hired took the job of sporting director at a team that was um, I think it's SC Huesca. They, they just got relegated into La Liga, La Liga dos, but they were in the, they've been up and down the past few years. And, uh, he, so he hired this, a goalkeeper coach named Kevin Hitchcock, who Brad had as his coach when he was at, uh, Blackburn. And, uh, so <laughs> he shows up and Friedel was, Brad was, you know, let go. <laughs> and you're like, you know what? Bruce comes in. He's like, yeah, you know what? You could stay for a little while. Like, we'll see how like our goalkeepers do, you know? And uh, he's been such an invaluable resource to me, Kevin Hitchcock. He, he's been amazing. That's the best thing he ever did for me. Well, you, you, you hinted at Bruce coming in. Um, I played for Bruce. I I'm friends with Kenny arena. So I know, I know oh, nice. Bruce. Um, I love Bruce. Uh, Bruce, a lot of people don't know was also a goalie. Um, so, oh, he lets you, he lets me know. Don't worry yeah, about that. Uh, and, and it's funny cause he focuses more on the defenders, but, uh, you know, and I say being a goalie for him is probably the, the hardest position on the field in terms of, uh, his expectations. And, you know, you know, maybe he's changed his tune a little, but I feel like he, he spends less time with the goalies than anybody else, but he has the biggest expectations for you. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's, that's fairly accurate. He likes to stick his nose in uh, from time to time, you know, all over the field. But uh, definitely, mostly, like you said, with the defenders and, uh, and the goalkeepers, I'll say. Um, but he has a great relationship with Kevin, and, and I feel like he trusts him a lot. So it, what started as, like, a lot more meddling has, like, seriously dwindled over the past, you know, whatever, two years. 
Yeah, well, I was, uh, I, you know, when I played, New England always gave me fits. Um, fans were always hard on me. I don't necessarily love New England, but I do root for Bruce, um, which is kind of weird to root for him against a, a rival, essentially. But yeah. um, you guys have done great. You know, you've particularly done well, uh, runner up in the uh, goalie of the year, uh, you know, uh, campaign last year. You got a new contract in 2019. Um, and the important thing here, and I hinted at it earlier, was the, the exposure to the U.S. men's national team. You, like me, have been called into a ton of camps. Um, you know, you've got one cap, which was a great cap, Trinidad-Tobago. You have a shutout. You save a penalty kick. Um, but just talk to me about how your mentality has, has changed a little bit, um, you know, looking at yourself not only now as a starter in MLS, but a, a potential starter for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure it's really changed a whole lot. I think understanding what I've accomplished has taken some time this year, you know, um, because, as you know, when you put on that that jersey, it's uh, it, it changes a little bit. Things things change around you. The expectation is a lot greater. Um, but for me, the way I view it is I, I, I really don't feel like I've accomplished anything yet because I haven't I've, I've hit a few of my goals, but more of my goals are unchecked on my list. You know what I'm saying? So I see it more as like a, a step along, you know, it, along the journey, like it's not the destination, you know? So it, it's been, uh, it's been quite the ride, you know, so far, but I feel like I still have a lot, a lot to offer and, and I'm excited, you know, I'm excited and I understand that it's crowded on the depth chart for goalkeepers and, um, you can only bring so many and it, it's just the way, it's just the way it goes, but, you know, hopefully I'll get an opportunity coming up to, to showcase what I can do and, you know, continue to play well in MLS and stay on that radar, stay in the pool, keep the pressure on. But at the end of the day, all I want is, is for the, the best for this U S national team. And, and if Greg sees me in that, in that picture, I would love to be a part of that picture. I'd love to contribute any way I can, whether that's as the starter as the guy coming off the bench or as the guy taking the extra reps as a third string in training, you know, doing all the extra shooting with the guys, whatever that is. I just, I, I crave it. I want it so badly. And this is the first time I ever really said that out loud. I don't really always talk about what I really want. Um, but I, but I do, I, re I really do want that. But if, if it doesn't happen for me, you know, I'll be supporting the boys all the way, you know, and, and I want the, the best for, for soccer in this country. And I want to, be part of that story of helping to grow it and, and some kid in 10 or 15 years to, you know, be playing in MLS or be playing overseas and say, Oh, I loved watching Matt Turner when I was, when I was growing up. Well, that's awesome. But your goalie and, you know, I played with Pat Onstad when he was 43 years old and yeah. uh, he was, he maybe was not for seniors. Yeah. You, you're, you're not going anywhere. Like you're talking about Greg, but there could be four new coaches in the time that you're, you, you know, so uh, I would say, you know, it seems to me and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like uh, you're kind of a gamer, like, and I don't mean Fortnite. I think you do that too, but I do uh, do that. Yeah. I, I, I think you're more of, if you're in the mix, uh, you feel like, you know, you're, you'll outshine the guys around you with, uh, you know, your attitude and your work ethic. So, it, you know, is that kind of your, your mentality is like, look, just give me a chance. Uh, once I, once you get your chance, you're going to try to make the most of it. 
it's always it's always been who I am. That that's you're not the first person to call me that. Funny enough, you know, my goalkeeper coach Remy that originally scouted me and brought me to New England, he said the exact same thing about me because I would struggle in training with the pressures of training, but as soon as I went and played in a game, it was like it was so different. And uh, and he he literally called me. That's a quote. Like, oh, so you're a gamer? I see some some like along the lines of that. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready for, for those chances and those opportunities. And I'm going to work hard as hard as I need to, to make it happen. And, you know, when it happens, if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, I'm going to continue to work hard and, and become undeniable to, to get another chance and, and just keep chomping at the bit because I am, I'll, I'll be 27 in three days, you know, or by the time this airs, I'll be 27. And that is young, like you said, for a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, you got. I expect you to break Matt Reese's records and uh, you know be a be a household name up there. And um, you know, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, I noticed you you are on social media. I hinted at that. You got your your Instagram and uh, and your your Twitter. You follow no one, uh, which is you know I I think that's just a baller move. <laughs> Everyone says that, but this is my problem. I so last year during the pandemic all of a sudden my twitter stopped working and twitter support is the worst thing ever <laughs> and uh i couldn't recover it until uh until maybe february of this year so and it had all it did like nothing was hacked or changed it unfollowed everybody and i didn't even know where to start and then people started calling me out for it so i was just like you know what i'm yep. gonna just keep it for now yep. i'm gonna just keep it for now <laughs> Well, he's he's uh, his handle is Head Turner. He's a goalie, so he always does things weirdly. There's it's spelled a little different, but you know it's Matt Turner. Yeah. It's not hard to find. Uh, make sure you give him a follow. Are you? Uh, I know you also have done some charity stuff. Do you have anything uh, that you want to promote or that you're working on? Um, you know, I know with the pandemic, it's been kind of tough to get out and about. But uh, do you have anything in the works? Yeah, it's been it's been really challenging, especially you know dealing with the Nigu crew. Never ever give up um you're dealing with kids that are, are battling cancer and, and uh so it's been really hard to to give them the opportunities to uh to get out to Gillette again so we're working on it that's all I can really say right now okay. and uh as soon as uh as soon as you know we get some more concrete uh you know appearances and things like that I'll uh, I'll definitely plug it plug it and I'll expect a, a retweet Awesome. Well, uh, if you guys like listening to Matt, he's, uh, he's, he's vocal. He's on a lot of other podcasts. I listen to a bunch. I encourage you to listen to it. He's a, he's a stand-up guy. Um, he's a heck of a player on the field. And I think he's going to be one of those names that we, uh, we follow for a long time. Uh, so thank you for coming on the podcast. Good luck to you, not only this season, but, um, you know, in future seasons to come. Thank Yeah. Thanks. This is a, a nice chat. Thanks for having me on Bobby. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at MLSplayers.org.